it mean to be black? Uh, the moment when I figured out that we were black, my, my family and I, it was in 1994. Uh, Nelson Mandela was elected president of South Africa. So I was a little bit past 12 years old that I realized I was actually black. Uh, that happened when I moved to Canada. I knew I was black since day one. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Accomplice Podcast. I'm your host, The Other Brother. In the shadows of the COVID-19 pandemic, we live in a world where more than ever, we should be aware that we are all one people, one humanity. And yet, we are plagued with the effects of racism, systemic oppression, and injustice, which continue to marginalize people of color around the world. In North America, particularly in the United States, recent years have borne witness to a resurgence of anti-black racism and a disproportionate number of episodes of police brutality against African Americans. Groups like Black Lives Matter and others have attempted to bring awareness to these issues and to garner support from other communities in an effort to bring, to bring about a long overdue end to the violence, inhumanity, and ignorance that is being perpetu perpetuated. The idea that white individuals support and ally themselves with people of color in an effort to bring about change is not new. Abolitionists like John Brown, or freedom writers like Andrew Goodman lost their lives in the pursuit of what they believed was their duty to help create fairness and equality in a society that was largely built by the labor of enslaved people. They were, in a sense, more than supporters, more than allies. They were what I would call accomplices. A supporter may passively believe in your cause and an ally might cheer you on from the sideline, but an accomplice is committed. And an accomplice stands side by side with you and invests their effort and energy into your cause. So today we launch the Accomplice Podcast in the spirit of those who have gone before us and made sacrifices to uplift humanity. We will be relentless in this pursuit and we will be unwavering. And we will be conscious as... So thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, today we've got a great show and the, the conversation today is about what does it mean to be black? Um, certainly that is something that, that I think a lot of folks uh, are talking about these days uh, and there are many, many views and, and opinions on exactly what that looks like. And today the show is centered around four gentlemen uh, of the African diaspora that I'll be talking to, each with their own unique story, their own unique background, and their own opinions and views on, on what it means to them to be a black man. Uh, my guest today, uh, I will introduce now, uh, very thankful to, to each and every one of them uh, for, for joining me. And uh, we're going to get started. Uh, first is uh, Mr. Richard Wongi. Uh, Richard is uh, in Toronto and uh, around various courtrooms across Ontario. He has spent his career lit litigating for his clients and he received an honors bachelor of science from University of Toronto and later attended Osgoode Hall Law School where he took an, a keen interest in criminal law. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, next, I have 
Mr. Philip Wilkerson. Philip Wilkerson uh, is, among many things, uh, has his own podcast, and uh, it is called The Positive Filter. Uh, he is also the husband to his wife of 10 years and father of two boys. Philip is a higher education professional enjoys, and enjoys mentoring youth for careers beyond college. Philip, welcome uh, to the show. Philip will be bringing perspective as, uh, as our resident uh, African-American uh, participant this morning in the conversation. Next up is my co-producer, the one and only Jay Harris. Uh, Jay, welcome uh, on the show. Jay works diligently behind the scenes with me to help produce the shows. Jay is a social media manager and technology enthusiast. He is known as a creative thinker and problem solver and uh, grew, grew up in the lovely uh, island of St. Kitts in the Caribbean. Jay, welcome. Uh, it's great to be here for the inaugural show. All right, all right. And last but not least, it's the one and only, the ambassador, Toronto's very own, uh, this is, uh, this gentleman, as you can see, is, is our resident DJ. Uh, he was born and raised in the city of, of Toronto. His mom is from Antigua and his dad from St. Kitts. He is a 2007 graduate of the University of Toronto and uh, works full-time uh, in commercial mortgage lending uh, as a senior commercial account manager. Uh, and he is also one of our, our brothers, as all these gentlemen actually are, uh, members of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. But on this show, he is our resident DJ. He is the ambassador. Gents, uh, thank you all so very much and, uh, and welcome. Uh, I'm going to uh, now uh, dive into our first question of the day, and I'm going to give each of you uh, the opportunity to to discuss this, um, and uh, what I would like to start out with, you know, this is a question I think that a lot of people who uh, are, are going to be listening to this podcast, this is a really good good place to start. Um, and the bottom line is, uh, for each of you, and I'm going to start uh, actually with Richard. Um, Richard, the, the question is. At what age did you first become aware of the concept of race, uh, and and or and, and incorporate that into that? At, at what point in your your life did you understand that you were were black, and what does being black mean to you? So I'll start with with Richard. Well, how much time do we have? complex uh, question there, but I'll break it up into just smaller parts that will be easier for me to answer. Uh, starting back with, uh, for example, when did I find out that, uh, oh, I see you shaking your head, Alex, everything okay? Can you hear me okay? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It was breaking up a little bit, but we're, go ahead. Okay, okay, no problem. So what um, does it mean to be black for me? I'd say it was not until I was a little bit past 12 years old that I realized I was actually black. Uh, that happened when I moved to Canada and uh, realized that everybody that was on the same shade skin that I was, was referred to as black. Uh, grew up in Africa and Kenya. I was born in Nairobi and grew up there all my life until I was 12 when my family and I moved to this country, Canada. And part 
to that. Yes, uh, I was of dark shade. I was an African. Internally, I believed I was an African. I was Kenyan. And that was what was in my blood. I was different from the people that I saw on TV and on media, the white people. We call them the Europeans or the Americans. Uh, we were colonized by the Brits. So we were from a British system. And uh, there was still some colonial people around. And we call them the Brits, the Europeans. And basically, it was Europeans and the blacks. Um, unfortunately, just due to post-colonial mentality, we thought that they were always better better than us because everything on TV seemed to be much better. And everything that they did while they were in our country seemed to be much better. They drove the nicer cars. They had the bigger houses. They had uh, the nicer clothes. But uh, much later, came to understand that all that stuff had been taken from other people. But uh, in short, uh, it has been many years uh, of developing and understanding better what it means to be black to me and um yeah and it's still something that's ongoing even till today and uh upon being canadian being canadian african or african canadian is also its own unique identity and i've uh, learned to uh understand it more as we go right on uh rich i'm gonna i'm gonna go to uh, our next guest i'm actually gonna jump over to to philip philip you uh, are from the, the United States, uh, Virginia area. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience and, and your thoughts on this question. Well, I, thought, I, I, like to, I like that I followed up because I think it was very interesting, um, you know, looking at that global perspective. I knew I was black since day one in a sense that I, I grew up in America, uh, just early exposure um, about race going to school with different colored, you know, people of color. Um, and so it was just always an understanding that I had darker skin, but I was also labeled as a black child. Um, and just looking at my parents and their experiences and also just TV, as you said, the media, just seeing on TV, you know, that person's black, that person's white. So I think very early on, I, I mean, very consciously, I think even in preschool, you know, I, I was in a very diverse preschool I was the, you know, we were black kids, they were white kids. So we kind of knew in my mind ingrained that my identity was attached to blackness very early on. Right on. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that, that Philip. Um, I, I would like to ask this question in, in of you in the context of, of this particular um, part of the discussion. And that is, you know, for folks who are who come up uh, in the United States, um, the, the terms black and African-American seem to be synonymous in a lot of cases, not not maybe for everyone. I know some people, you know, don't like one or the other, in, 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 you know, on an individual basis, perhaps. But uh, can you explain that a little bit? The, you know, again, you kind of mentioned, you know, from your perspective growing up in, in America, um, the the how that that plays out in terms of one a person identifying as either black or African-American or both. Thank you so much. Uh, so this is a very complex question. Um, and the reason why I say that is, yes, uh, I'm of the African diaspora. You know, I know where my people come from, but there is this very hard tie to say that, you know, I feel completely African um, at certain points. You know, I've been generationally uh, removed from that experience. Um, and in addition, to fully embrace American identity, 
I was would say like when did America really feel like I was very included or inclusive or many black people. Um, but then I don't want to disrespect my father who served 30 years in the army to this country and, and dedicated himself to, uh, I guess, America. But as I've gone on in life and been more reaffirmed in myself in adulthood, um, I, you know, am more comfortable in, in myself with just calling myself black. Um, and, and as a you know, label of something I identify. But if someone say, hey, you know, my African-American friend, I don't get offended. Um, it doesn't offend me. Um, but just as in a person of how I view myself over time, you know, identity is very important to people. I think I've gotten more and more comfortable just saying black, um, which encompasses, I think, a lot of identities. Also, it, it pulls me in to Brother Richard's point that we are both black. We are both brothers. Um, and so, you know, even if I were to go to Africa, I feel like there would be some disconnect. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up in this, in this, in, in the continent, you know? Um, and I, I, that kind of makes me upset a little bit that I feel like that part of, of my identity was robbed. But when I claim blackness, I feel like I get something back. I feel like I get a firm identity back. So uh, to your question, you know, the way I, I view myself, the way I navigate the world, I navigate the world as black. I'm a black man, and particularly a capital. I like, I capitalize black. You know, I, I get. I don't know if that's someone's pet peeve or whatever, but it's more like it's not just the color of skin. You know, when it's lowercase, it's more of like a strong identity. So I capitalize black um, uh, as I write it, or when I write it in things, or tweet about it. You know, or you know, type it up in books. I, I make a very strong point to capitalize black. So, to your point, I view myself as a black man. Right on. I'm going to go next to uh, Jay Harris. Jay is uh, from the island of St. Kitts. So, Jay, you know, talk to us a little bit about your experience growing up in uh, the Caribbean. Yeah. But distinctly, uh, the moment when I figured out that we were black, my, my family and I, it was in 1994. Uh, Nelson Mandela was elected president of South Africa. And I remember playing in the back of the house and hearing my mother and father like, uh, shouting something was happening in the front of the house and they called us down and sit us in front of the TV and we, we watch. Um, so I, I don't remember if it was the inauguration or it was just the moment when everyone realized that he was he had been elected, but we, we watched that on TV and we they sort of explained the concept of race and, and, and why it was important for him to be president. Um, and, and so that, that was the eye-opening moment for me. I think I was eight years old at the time. Right on. Okay, well, gents, thank you for that. I'm going to go uh, to my main man, the ambassador. Uh, you know, this brother, as we said, uh, grew up in Toronto. He's our, our resident DJ, and, and uh, it's it's almost time for, for your spot, man. So I'm going to, before we get into the song of the week, any thoughts on, on that, being uh, a, a, a man from, from Toronto, you know, East York in the house specifically? Uh, but... Uh, what what are your thoughts, man? Uh, so my thoughts in general are actually a bit of a mix of, I would say, Brother Jay and Brother Philip, in the sense that in Canada, similar to the U.S., uh, individuals of African descent are a minority. So once you are born and raised here, you kind of learn from the jump that you are a black person. And 
you know, the people around you will also acknowledge you as a black person as well as your own identity, right? So there's a certain attachment to being black. However, because the cultural context is different in terms of my background being from the Caribbean, it's there's still a heavy connection to the Caribbean heritage as well and that understanding. So this it's kind of like both identities take up a, a part, right? There's as well as the Canadian identity having lived and uh, been born and raised here. So Right on. Um, so it is time for the song of the week. Now, what we're going to do each and every episode, we're going uh, to to give you uh, just a, a little taste of uh, music from the African diaspora around the world. The ambassador is going to bring you a song each and every podcast, uh, give you a little bit of background where, uh, about the culture, where, it's, where this music is from, a little history, and, uh, and just you know, open up your mind to uh, the plethora of, of music from around the world and around the globe that, that uh, he brings to his, uh, through, you know, his, his DJ platform. Um, pretty amazing guy. I've, I've been working with him now for the last couple of years. Uh, we, we've done some, some online sets and we'll be bringing more of those to you, but uh, definitely appreciate having you as part of this show, man. And uh, what do you have for us this week? All right. So for the first song ever, Accomplished Podcast. Let me drop this right now. So that song right there is from the artist Barris Hammond, one of my favorite reggae artists. The title of the song is Ain't It Good To Know. The origin of the song is from Jamaica, and it's reggae music. Uh, so just a little small thing about reggae music. It originated in Jamaica. It evolved from some of the older genres of Jamaican music, such as mento, ska, and rock study. But it was also influenced by American soul and jazz music. So there was a connection between the regions from that standpoint. Uh, it is a genre that has spread throughout the world, but is especially popular in, sub in some sub-Saharan African nations, as well as throughout the Caribbean. Pretty much every island you go to, you can hear it. Um, often I find in the, main, in the mainstream North American context, when people refer to reggae music, they refer to you know, the, the stereotypical kind of smoking marijuana and vacation type of thing. But reggae music, as I understand it, as I've grown up with it, is a form of music that was used to transfer uplifting messages as well as social and political commentary to the masses. So as you hear in this song, he talks about ain't it good to know. One of the first things he talks about is that we can sit together and share each other's views as we're doing on the podcast right now. Thanks. Right on, right on. Appreciate you, man. So you are uh, listening to the Accomplice Podcast. I'm your host, The Other Brother. That was our song of the week from Barris Hammond, courtesy of our resident DJ, The Ambassador. We're talking about what it means to be black. My four guests, Richard Mwagi, Philip Wilkerson, Jay Harrison, of course, my main man, The Ambassador. I uh, want to go... Uh, into a little more in depth into this this discussion and Jay, I'm going to start with you. Um, 
what makes a person black? I think a lot of folks out here, you know, this is a question that that people have, again, many different answers and viewpoints about because we, we see that, you know, in today's world, especially in North America, you have a lot of uh, people of, uh, you know, that are biracial, mixed race, et cetera. There's lots of different terminology that, that is used to describe people who are, are multiracial, uh, all of this. Um, and it can be sometimes complex to navigate. Uh, but in your view, what what is it that makes a person black or, or identify as black? Uh, your mic, brother. Rookie mistakes all day long for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah great question. Uh, I think it, it really comes down to culture. You know, in the Caribbean, we have all sorts of uh, shades and, and tones and skin colors and we have lots of different names for those things, but I think in in the end, we, we all sort of ride under the same banner and it comes down to culture and whether or not you are, you're familiar with the upbringing and then and, and sort of the the sayings and the, the traditions of of what we, we consider to be black black culture. And like, even though we're, we're separated geographically, Africa, the Caribbean, um, the North America, we'll have similar things. You know, we some stuff to across those, those geographic bonds. Food is kind of still the same. We all still love, you know, there's um, the yams and the pumpkins and ground provisions and all that stuff. Right? It's all still the same. Um, so I, I think it really comes down to the culture in the end. Right on. Um, I'm going to take it on over to, to Philip um, because we're sort of touched on this already. But, uh, you know, again, from the from the U.S., perspective uh again I, I think we can we can dissect this really deeply i mean when you think about things you know going back historically uh the 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 period of enslavement in the united states and you have things from state to state there's different rules uh on what defines a person as being uh black uh you know the cliche maybe being the one drop rule for example but um I, again it seems to me to today that a lot of it a lot of the issue is surrounds the word identity so can you speak to me a little bit about about that yeah thank you and you know i just want to full disclaimer right i am one black male in virginia right what i mean by that is that i am not the representative of a whole and we know that the experience of blackness is non is not monolithic uh, you, you brought it up, Brother um, Alex, very well that, you know, different experiences, someone biracial, someone in this state. And so when I was thinking about that, that answer, I'm really trying to think, how would I say this distinctly from the experience of Philip Wilkerson, right? Is that I think Blackness is directly tied to identity and experience. And when I say that, is that we, all those gentlemen that are, are Black, have a shared, a shared, I guess, you know, cultural experience but also a, a same worldview experience. And that worldview experience is, in no shade, is a non-white experience, right? Like, you know, it's like um, the world views it uh, certain levels of access, certain levels of, you know, historical context. That shapes what I believe is Black. That shapes who I am as Black. Um, it goes all the way back to ancestry or, you know, people before me, but also goes back or not back, but goes up to the current experience of how I navigate the world. So I would say 
the experience is the, is the main one. And regardless in that non-monolithic, there's a lot of shared experiences that black people may have. And you know, it could be someone that's very fair skinned, very light skinned black to someone that's very dark skinned. We know we have different layers within colorism and all that. But at the end of the day, there's some shared experience for someone that's very light skinned and very that's very dark. They have a shared experience um, as they navigate the world. And so that I, that is gonna be way, uh, definitely do that disclaimer again. That is gonna be the way that I define it. And, and the reason why I say that is as I become more of my own and read, it's almost like I have this second awakening, like I'm learning more. I'm def- I am learning more about my identities, how I define identity. So I, you know, I, I read books and I was like, wow, you know, that's what W.E. Du Bois meant by that two-spirit, two-spirit uh, concept. I'm starting to feel that, that the dual consciousness. And so that that's going to be my very short answer. We probably could have a whole podcast, like an hour-long podcast on this topic, but that's going to be how I define it uh, for me at this current moment. It might change too, uh, how I define it. You might ask me a year from now, five years from now, it might be a little bit different. So at this current moment, that's how I feel. Right on, Richard. Um, you know, coming as a young man from Kenya, um, and, and you touched a little bit on this, uh, you know, in your opening um, uh, responses. But was there, from from your perspective, you did sort of allude to that that there were the the Brits, as you put it, and and black folks. But what was the identity? that that you grew up with as a child more so black or was it kenyan or african what what would be more so like from a i guess from a semantical uh approach what what was your experience as a child growing up i'd say we never really would use the word at least again Following up from Brother Philip, this is a very personal perspective. I'm not representative of uh, anyone or all the individuals who grew up in East Africa back in the time when I grew up in Kenya, but we never or hardly ever used the word black. It's never used as a word, but uh, we called ourselves Kenyan. We called ourselves African. We called ourselves East African. So I grew up as an African child. Um, the, 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 White people at that time, as we they, they, they were, we called them, I mean, they're mostly Europeans, but of course, other North Americans. But um, the concept of being African, the concept of calling myself a Kenyan uh, would have, sorry, let's have a phone going off here. I'm going to courts and dogs, sorry. Courts and dogs, <laughs> Anyways, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so what um, the concept would be the experience of which I grew up in. Uh, deep down, I then realized and realized that what I grew up knowing to be African or knowing to be uh, Kenyan was Black Kenyan, Black African. This is because, as I told you, there were other Europeans there who still remained, and there were second, third generations of other Europeans, and they were technically African. They were born there, and they were raised there, so they are as Kenyan as I was. However, they are white Kenyans, and I was a black Kenyan. And, of course, the identity of black became more solidified as I 
came here to Toronto and uh, understood the issues and the rawness of which we went, uh, of which uh, the, the issues, the rawness of the experience of which people were going through, being people of African descent, being people who people who were black, um, growing up in Kenya, I would say although we did have the racial experiences, because most of the people you had around you looked like you, it was a different type of discrimination. It was a different type of uh, experience you had growing up. You had the different cultures, different groups, different uh, tribes, different socioeconomic level people. So race in itself, as in blackness, being a black African was not uh, forefront, was not there all the time, unless you're comparing it to something else, whether it was media or the people who lived in the highlands who are the white Africans. Hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And I, and I think it's really important that we, we pause for just one second and, and, you know, Phillips alluded to it as well as yourself, you know, the, the, the guests that we have here on the show today are representing themselves as into their own individual perspectives and views and experiences. And I think it's really important to, to acknowledge that and to emphasize it because as, as Philip, I think said, you know, you're, you're just one, you know, black man in Virginia. You don't speak for, for everybody in the United States, for example, or even in your, your, your town, right? It's, this is your experience. This is your personal view and and opinion and so forth being expressed and i think that that's really a great place for us to to actually start as a foundation in when we think of being an accomplice and we think of the the type of dialogue that we can have uh with folks that are maybe quote unquote different from us is to understand that each person is a, is their own individual self uh comprised of their their you know family upbringing experiences all those all these things uh, as a human being. And so in order to get to know and understand somebody from a different culture, we have to approach them as an individual human being, I, I believe, and, and understand who they are as a person, as an individual, and then how the, the culture and their environment and other things, other factors, uh, the same factors that, it, that influence all of us in, in various ways, uh, how those things influence and shape that individual person. So I really appreciate the candor and, and the, the um, depth to, to which we're, we're discussing, you know, your experiences as, as individual men. Uh, right now it's time, I'm gonna take it back to the ambassador, our song of the week from Barris Hammond. We'll be right back with more of the Accomplice Podcast. <laughs> All right, all right. That's our song of the week from Barris Hammond. You'll hear a little bit more from the ambassador a little bit later in the show. But right now, getting back to my guests, this is the Accomplice Podcast. We're talking about what does it mean to be black from the 
perspective of, of these four gentlemen that I have joining me here today. Uh, so, uh, Philip, I'm gonna, gonna kick this off um, with uh, yourself. Actually, sorry, I'm, I'm gonna kick this off with Richard. Um, the, the next uh, question is actually, we wanna talk a little bit about the difference in experience of folks uh, who have immigrated or maybe your parents immigrated to the United States or Canada to North America from somewhere else versus uh, the African-American experience. So I'm going to start with Richard again, uh, talking a little bit about, you know, the, the, in your perspective, what are some of the key differences as being somebody who immigrated from another country to North America uh, in, in terms of the black experience and, and maybe in the context of how do you see when we when we hear the term the black community, you know, and you just spoke about your own self growing up in Kenya and and having that that um, uh, cultural uh, identity that that you came with, how how did that change or how was that influenced by coming to North America and having an experience here? So moving to North America, the experience was quite uh, enlightening. Initially, when I first came as a kid, um, I did not fit in with uh, the white kids. I did not fit in with the other uh, Asian or kids from all over the uh, globe. And uh, the people I mostly resembled were the uh, people who were dark-skinned, like I, I was. Uh, they were the kids from the Caribbean, kids from the state, and they called themselves. I mean, they, I, I now would say they were black kids and uh, I would consider myself black, yes. But at that time, uh, the kids that I, I hanged around with from the Caribbean, mostly uh, from Jamaica, would call me the African youth. Uh, I was the African youth for a long time. It's a nickname that stuck on, probably then converted into Kenya boy. The Kenya boy, and I've been called the Kenya boy until today by some of my middle school and high school friends. And uh, I noticed that the Caribbean kids called me the same name as the white kids. They called me the, the African boy. But I never took too much offense from the Caribbean kids calling me that. However, I did take offense from uh, other people calling me that. But the experience was quite enlightening. There was a stark difference between the Africans that had immigrated from Africa as in the first generation Africans versus people who had been here for years, even people who were actually of African uh, heritage or African background. Uh, what I did note, though, was that uh, no matter the amount of generations, in Canada, at least in Toronto, there was a very heavy uh, love for people's backgrounds. There was a very heavy, um, I lose words for it, but there was a, a large tie to people's backgrounds. So even a lot of these children or kids that I grew up with who call themselves Jamaican or a small island uh, folk or Trinidadians or Nevis and St. Kitts uh, so, uh, and, and uh, so on, called themselves those names, although they actually were born here in Canada. So you would ask someone, where are you from? And if they're not saying I'm from East York, Scarborough, North York, or the West End, they're saying, oh, I'm from Kenya, or I'm 
from Jamaica, but meanwhile, meanwhile it's either parents or grandparents that are from there. So I noticed that it, it, as uh, as a collective Black community here, there was a large tie and a large pride. Um, uh, there was a lot of pride of where people were, people's parents originally were from in the community here in Toronto. And I see it even today, and I enjoy it, love it. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think even for myself as a, as a person of a European background, you know, and, and spending time as a kid, especially between Canada and the U.S. going back and forth, it was always in Canada, I felt like it was acceptable to have your cultural identity. So if you're from, you know, France or you're from Scotland or you're from Ireland, whatever, that was that was fine. You could still be a Canadian and be you know, identify with your, your cultural background, your parents or grandparents' uh, heritage, and yet, uh, and that didn't infringe on your being Canadian, so to speak. Uh, but in the States, it was very different. It was, uh, you know, very much an amalgamous thing where, you know, people kind of put that behind them and, and generationally and are seen as this whole one amalgamous group of, of white folks more, more so. Uh, it always seemed to me in that sense. Um, Claude, I want to turn to you, the, the ambassador, um, and, and, you know, talk about, uh, as Richard had mentioned, you know, being one of those young men who, who grew up in Toronto, but yet your, your folks are from the Caribbean. You're, as I mentioned in the intro, your mom's from Antigua, your dad's uh, from St. Kitts. And, and of course, you, uh, in the time I've gotten to know you, that, that heritage and that cultural appreciation is, is very strong and very much a part of your, your whole life experience. Absolutely. So, again, what Rich was saying was, was pretty much bang on in terms of the uh, identifying. So when my parents came over from the Caribbean, obviously they were the first generation. They were immigrants here and they had to deal with, you know, stereotypes about where they came from. Obviously, there's just like anywhere else where if you're not educated about what where these people are from, sometimes you end up dealing with people who are ignorant and so on and so forth and just kind of the typecasting of what the Caribbean was and everything like that. So one of the things that, uh, on top of, of course, um, my mother and father having their own like family pride and identity pride and everything like that and in loving their culture, they wanted to instill that in their children. But then you also understood that, well, there was an experience outside of the house, which was people don't really understand or don't really know sometimes what, that, uh, what your heritage is about. And they look to media. So like we're talking about with the reggae where, you know, it's typecast a certain way or stereotyped as a certain thing. But it's like, yeah, that's there. But that's not all there is. There's a lot more to it. So what ended up happening was that, you know, and just growing up and everything like that, you identify with your Canadian experience living here and everything like that. But Canada to you was hockey. They don't have hockey in the Caribbean yet, as far as I know. Uh, polar bears. I know they don't have those in the islands and stuff like that versus what your parents are making at home, the music that they're listening to at home, those type of things, and just the different experiences you'd have. And what I found similar to what Richard was talking about was like seeing it from the other side where when you would run into Caribbean people or people from thing who were born and raised in the islands or on the continent, they didn't get it. Some of them, some did, some didn't when you explained it because to them, they're like, you're born here, you grew up here, this is what you are. And we're like, no, no, in Canada, when you're a child of an immigrant, you're not just Canadian. 
you still link back to your heritage and that is still reinforced in you. So that's why going back to even the previous question about the identity as black, it's like black and Caribbean there, they, they work together with me that one is not over the other and they don't discount the other. It's not like I'm Caribbean, so I'm not black. No, they work together in tandem for me. So. Right on. So, so speaking of the Caribbean, uh, Jay, I'm, I'm going to come to you because, you know, you had the ex have had the experience growing up in St. Kitts and then uh, attending university in the U.S. and then uh, now living in Canada. What has the transition? What are some of the, the key differences that you've experienced as an adult who's who's emigrated uh, from the Caribbean to North America in, in terms of, you know, again, this this dialogue about uh, uh, black community and, and that experience, uh, what are some of the, the key differences you see from where you, you grew up? Well, I, I guess the, the one difference being the, um, the, the temperature, right? You know, when, when you get up here, it's way more than it is in the islands, but, but uh, I'm just messing around. <laughs> yeah, I, I go for it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, so I'm I'm thinking that you know, w w I from from my perspective, I I see a lot of similar things, and and that's because you can find your culture wherever you go. And so it's like Claude was saying, like Caribbean people aren't afraid of being Caribbean where wherever they go. So whether I was you know when I was in South Florida, you'd always be able to to find sort of like the the Jamaican contingency. Or if you you go to New York, it's the same thing. You go to Houston, wherever yeah, you go to Toronto, you can find the Trinis, you can find the the, the Guyanese crowd, and you can make yourself you know a, a comfortable and and accustomed. And those people are, are really outgoing, and so that type of culture eventually permeates throughout the the environment that you're in. Uh, and so I think to to Richard's point, maybe earlier on you don't have a bunch of those people around, but over time, so like when I finally get to Toronto. There's Caribbean folk everywhere, and so I, I feel at home. And even if you're not with a Caribbean person, they've experienced Caribbean culture through someone else because there's so many of us, and, and you, you just you feel at home no matter where you go. So, Philip, I want to turn to you now, uh, again, from a, an American perspective. And, and the thing that I want to point out to, to our listeners, to our viewers, is that you know, there's a very different experience uh, from from my perspective in listening to to uh, all of you, all my guests, um, and and I think this is something across the board that we need to really look at. Uh, you know, as we we explore the idea of being an accomplice, because there is not a one size fits all uh, definition or identity when it comes to being black and being a person of the the African diaspora. We were hearing all these different perspectives and unique experiences. And I think it's really important. One of the key things though that stands out to me is, you know, as I listen to, to Richard, I listen to Jay, I listen to, to Claude, the ambassador here, um, there is a strong cultural uh, and heritage identity that they bring with them, whether it was from their own personal experience growing up in another country or through their, their family. We know that the history of African-Americans, of people, uh, of black people in the United States um, from the time of, of slavery to current is very different. Um, and even though there is, uh, obviously in the Caribbean, there is a, a similar uh, period of, of enslavement there, 
um, the the cultural identity, I think, at least it seems to me is different. So, and I think it has to do a lot with the fact of, of course, just the the trauma of the slave trade and people being enslaved and disconnected from their families, from their culture, from their language, all of those things that we kind of make us human really in our identity. And to have to sort of recreate that in this new context in, in the U.S. and in the, especially in the early onsets of, of colonization there. And that has effects still today, I think. Um, what, is your, what is your opinion on that? And, and how do you see sort of the difference when you listen to, to like Richard or Jay, for example, talk about their experience? How is that different for somebody who's African-American? So I was... I was thinking, I love I love that you got me in the flow of this because I get to listen and nod my head. And I'll be totally transparent. I get a little salty, a little, a little jealous. You know, like um, I just recently did my um, ancestry, you know, the, the DNA test. And it was saying what countries I'm from. You know, they said, you know, I got a little bit of uh, uh, European. They told me I'm Scottish or whatever. But then they said I also have Cameroon and a lot of the Gold Coast, right? Duh, like, come on, let's, let's be historical, right? Like, duh, that makes sense, right? But then I'm not rushing to the store and get me uh, a shirt, you know, for the Cameroon. And when they play in the World Cup, I'm putting on a Cameroon shirt. You know, like, I don't have that that identity tied to that percentage of my DNA or ancestry. And so I think, you know, human beings want to find places to belong. So we find other groupings, right? Um, you know, I say I'm a Virginian, right? You know, we got that, like, we got that regional tie, like you know, I'm not, I'm not just an American, you know, I'm Virginian. I'm from the South. We got a little different vibe than the Midwest, you know, brothers. Or, or we got a little different vibe than our New York brothers. And we were just talking about it the other day, uh, of even to, to music, right? Like, I got in arguments. People were trying to like, you know, New York rap is the best. I was like, man, you know, can't you can't discredit the South, man. We 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 brought it with you know outcasts and all that. So with that sense, is that. Right, like geographically, we want to be tied to a community, right? Um, and so, and 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 has ancestry and a history, and uh, just the the cultural background, which I think a lot of African Americans, Blacks, feel disconnected from. I remember growing up in high school, my first exposure to different Black people was high school, right? Uh, when I grew up in elementary school, it was just black, white. I get to Mount Vernon, shout out to Mount Vernon High School, and we literally had, you know, kids from Ghana. We had kids from uh, Ghana, Nigeria, and I can't think of another African country, but, we, would, you know, in my ignorance, we just lumped them together. Those are the African kids, right? Those dudes from Africa. As I've gotten more, I'm like, well, no, there's a really cultural tie. Those are Ghana, you know, they're, they're, they're from Ghana. Um, they're Ghanaian. Those are Nigerians. And you know, if you meet those African brothers, they got a strong tie. Like, no, we are, we are Nigerian, we're Ghanaian. You know, they rock with them. And, and my best friend, my, my brother, uh, the, the godson, I mean, the godfather of my, uh, my, my godchildren, he's Jamaican. That's a strong tie right there. Like, you can't tell him he's not Jamaican. And I mean, he was born in Jamaica, immigrated here, but he, he, even in second grade on in America, he is Jamaican. You cannot tell him otherwise. And that is an experience that I don't think a lot of black people in America have, um, you know, and going back to that, it, it does make me sad. Sometimes it makes me or like, that would be cool. Or 
it makes me, you know, honestly, I, I'm going to go visit Africa. I've been a couple of times uh, to other countries, I've been to Egypt and all that, but I want to go directly to the countries that were on my ancestry.com. I want to go to the land where some of my DNA is from, you know, and just be there um, and, and vibe there. So I don't know. I, I think if we ask a lot of black people, maybe they have a totally disconnection. I think maybe it might be a protective measure to just lump people like as other, like, because if, if you really realize it, if you really, if you really think about that, it is traumatic. Like if I really think about that, I don't know exactly who maybe five generations are from, then it makes me realize I have to face the reality of a, a cross continental trauma that someone in my lineage experienced. Like I would have to address that mentally. So it'd probably be easier in regards to discounting trauma and saying, I'm just American or I'm just Virginian and I don't have this real tie to Africa. And um, it's almost a second awakening when you read and learn more. So I'm glad I took that DNA test. Uh, I'm going, I know someone, if you want to do a GoFundMe and give me some money, I'm just joking. Uh, but I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to find a way to go there, experience the country, really go back and, and really get in roots to the, the, the intricacies of the, my blackness, which is not just a lump, the continent of Africa. I want to go to the nations and see what nations really have a connection to me. So that's just kind of my thoughts right now. As I said earlier, maybe you hit me in a year, maybe you hit me after I go to those African countries and maybe I'll have a different perspective when I really get to learn more about myself and where I came from. You're listening to the Accomplice Podcast. And uh, time for our, our last uh, little musical interlude here with the Ambassador and Barris Hammond. Listening to the Accomplice Podcast, I am your host, the other brother, and uh, coming down to the wire here, the last segment of our show uh, before we we wrap up here, and this is sort of our rapid fire uh, segment. I'm going to give each of my guests uh, 30 seconds or so to ask a question, and they're going to give us uh, their their take on this this final question uh, in, in short short form as we round out. Uh, the the last segment. Um, so we've talked a lot today about identity, how people identify uh, as black, what their what their thoughts are behind uh, the nuances of being black, um, being a person who has immigrated to North America uh, from another country, who's grown up in in North America, the United States, etc., and. More recently, there has been sort of a, a phenomenon, I guess you might call it, of folks who 
are identifying as another race. Um, particularly, uh, I think of an individual like a Rachel, Rachel Dolezal, uh, the former NAACP president in Washington State, Spokane, Washington, uh, who has, quote unquote, identified herself as trans black. Um, I, I, that's a whole topic probably for another episode, but in 30 seconds or less, I'm going to ask each of my guests, I'm going to start with, uh, with Richard. Um, I want to know the answer to this question. In 30 seconds or less, can someone who is not of the African diaspora identify as black? Why or why not? Richard, you're up. I don't think they can identify as black. They can identify with partial experience of what they have seen. It's very difficult. I would say, again, this is my personal perspective, very difficult and practically impossible for you to identify as something you've never experienced. So as much as you would like to, because you've never seen life through that person's eyes, you've never been in their skin, you've never been in their feet, it's very difficult to. You could sympathize with, you could understand many aspects of it. However, I would respectfully submit, uh, no, it's not... Uh, Possible. Jay, I'm going to come to you next. Is this is this a thing, or or what's your take, man? Uh, I think you know most of human identity is is learned, and uh, you know if someone was was in a position where from a really early age they were they were able to learn black identity, even if they weren't black, uh, I, I'd be fine with that person saying that they were black. Like, for instance, if you were adopted or if you happen to grow up in, in, a, in, in a majority black environment. Right on. Philip, your thoughts? Uh, I like uh, both answers. I'm going to play like the, the Switzerland and both. Um, and, you know, like maybe later on in life and you just wake up one day and say, I'm black, maybe not so. I'll also look at the, the complexities of their experience how early on those early experiences of maybe as I was thinking of that movie with Steve Martin, where he grew up in an all black family and he thought he was black until they, they told him he wasn't. So it's a very complex thing, but also I would also say the last point, wrap it up in 30 seconds. Now for them claiming that they're black and are they claiming that they're black in a sense for uh, elevating themselves or kind of, you know, you know what I meant? Like, promotional material or are they doing it in a sense of shared community feeling so i would really be i'd be really weary to the intent of someone claiming such um racial transracial uh identity right on finally i'm going to come to my main man the ambassador as we we wrap this up brother it's been a deep show man this this inaugural episode true so uh just in 30 seconds or less just in the discussion that we've had, it's pretty obvious that uh, race is a social construct, mainly in the society that you're in. So, say for example, I've been to Australia, I've met some uh, Aboriginals from Australia, they identify as black, not necessarily African ancestry. However, the society also recognizes them that way. So if you're in a society that recognizes you as black and you also identify as black, then I get it. But for you to, and similar to what Brother Philip was saying, for you to just pick up in your 25 and 30 and say, I'm black now, there's been no kind of social construct to, to do that other than you just saying that you're black, then I can't, uh, can't accept you as that. 
Well, gentlemen, uh, that's all the, the time we're going to have for this particular uh, episode. Uh, I want to thank my guests, uh, Richard Wongi, Jay Harris, Philip Wilkerson, and of course, my main man, the ambassador, uh, for, for joining me here today. Uh, we shared their, their social media information. If you'd like to follow them or uh, get in contact with them for more information about what they're doing. And of course, uh, the ambassador will be right back here with me on our next episode of the Accomplice Podcast. Uh, I am your host, The Other Brother. Again, it's been a, a great discussion, a great kickoff to The Accomplice Podcast. And we thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.